The following presentation of Walking Through the Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions is from a previous broadcast and is a production of Take 12 Recovery Radio. Some portions of this show may have included promotions or giveaways that were time-sensitive and may no longer be applicable. To listen and download more of Walking Through the Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions, visit our website at take12radio.com and click on Recovery Workshops. I've got to give it up. The views expressed on this episode of Walking Through the Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions with Chris Schroeder do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting or our affiliates. KHLT is not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Now here's those two guys who investigate prior to contempt, Chris and the Monty Man. Well, welcome, uh, everyone. Uh, let me give you our email address uh, right away. Take12radio at comcast.net. Step 10, continue to take personal inventory, and we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Folks, if you don't have a 12 by 12, uh, 12 and 12 in front of you, go to aa.org forward slash 12 and 12 and uh, the PDF file will pull it right up there. Go ahead, brother. Well, anyway, you know, Monty, we've uh, we've covered a lot of material in the uh, in the previous shows. Uh, we've we've covered uh, in the introduction. Uh, uh, we've covered uh, all uh, the first nine steps. Uh, that's a huge body of work. It's a uh, it's a huge piece of the program of recovery, and you know, it brings us to to, to step ten. Uh, you know, step ten is a, a, a great step. Uh, I've had you know different perspectives on it. Uh, I've seen different uh, different importance uh, of step ten uh, in different ways uh, over the course of uh, of my recovery. Uh, but today, I kind of see uh, step ten as a reactive step. In, in step eleven, uh, there's three parts of step eleven in the book Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, one is uh, upon awakening. Uh, uh, another part is when we retire at night. But then there's a part of step 11 as we, as we move through the day. And I think step 10 is uh, moving through the day step. We've, we've learned a lot about the spiritual um, uh, steps and spiritual exercises that are, uh, are taught to us. Uh, prior to step 10, we're, we're taught how to do inventory. We're taught how to share uh, inventory. Uh, we're, we're shown in a number of ways how important God is in our recovery process and in our healing process. And we're shown how to, how to engage God and how to uh, petition God in a number of ways as we move through this work. And, and, in, and we're, shown, uh, we're shown how to take an accounting of the damage we've done and actually go out into the world and, uh, and make that, you know, try to set that damage right. Uh, we're shown uh, how, uh, we're shown about powerlessness. We're shown that we need this power greater than ourselves uh, for this whole process. Because on our own unaided will, we're, we're not going to be able to recover. We're not going to be able to pick up the pieces of our life and, uh, and assemble it uh, all back together in a working hall. We just, we just don't have that power. And that's what, uh, dooms so many alcoholics or so many drug addicts to uh, to death is that lack of power. So we're we're, we're being shown how to uh, how to do all of these steps, and all these steps get us in touch with a power uh, greater than ourselves that can help restore us to to sanity. And and in step ten, uh, uh, we we really we really do start to practice these principles uh, that we've learned. In the steps, we start to practice them as a way of life. Uh, step ten is our moving through the day, our, our reaction step. Uh, we start to put these lessons that we've learned to use uh, on a daily basis, uh, as as it's uh, available and appropriate to us as we move through the day. 
that make any sense? A- absolutely. And I, I think uh, I just kind of want to get your take on this. Um, I've, I've never really liked the term maintenance. Be, uh, and I hear a lot of people say steps 10, 11, 12 are the maintenance steps. And it just this is just maybe I'm just being picky, but it seems like maintenance is something you do with your 57 Chevy that's already been restored. Um, you know, you know, I, yeah, go ahead. I agree with you, Monty. I think I, I think to maintain something means to keep it in a steady state. And, and we're told that we need to we, we need to seek uh, uh, continually seek uh, to grow in understanding yeah. and effectiveness, not not maintain understanding and effectiveness, to grow in understanding and effectiveness. And so uh, we, we always need to continue to, uh, uh, to, to grow. We're to maintain our spiritual condition through, you know, work and self-sacrifice for others and practicing these principles uh, in all of our affairs. But, uh, but we, don't, you know, we don't necessarily want to keep it in neutral. Um, so uh, people have, have seen steps 10, 11, and 12 as maintenance steps. And I see them. Uh, I see them as growth steps. I, I see them as broadening and deepening our relationship with God and our relationship with fellow with our fellow man uh, by practicing these these uh, these these top three steps. Yeah, good word. Good word. So, so uh, let's look at them as uh, you know. Let's look at them as more than maintenance. They're they're. Uh, you know, they, they may be the key to uh, to our ability to survive alcoholism or drug addiction. Uh, the amount of uh, effort we put into these steps. So, uh, you know, step ten. Uh, let's let's look at it as a reactive step. Let's look at it as a growth step. Continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. As we work the first nine steps, we prepare ourselves for the adventure of a new life. This, of course, is on page eighty-eight of the twelfth and twelfth. But when we approach step ten. We commence to put our AA way of living to practical use day by day in fair weather or foul. Then comes the acid test. Can we stay sober, keep an emotional balance, and live to good purpose under all conditions? Remember, staying sober is certainly a, a key uh, goal for us, Monty, but can we keep an emotional balance and live to good purpose? Those, those, those are also very, very important. Uh, I, I think the saddest thing that I see today is someone just staying sober, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, they, they, or, or just not using drugs, and that's it. Uh, what, what happens is is you die a little bit every day if that's all you're doing. And, you know, there's a reason why you drank, and there's a reason why you use drugs. And normally that reason is sobriety is not enough. It's just not enough. You need more than just being sober. And the great thing about these 12 steps is that these 12 steps give you that more that you need. <laughs> and that's why you can stay away from alcohol, and that's why you can stay away from drugs without it being a concern, without it being a preoccupation, um, because the steps offer you that spiritual sustenance that you were looking for alcohol or drugs to, mm-hmm. to give you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A, a continuous look at our assets and liabilities and a real desire to learn and grow by this means are necessities for us. We alcoholics have learned this the hard way. More experienced people, of course, in all times and places have practiced unsparing self-survey and criticism. For the wise have always known that no one can make much of his life until self-searching becomes a regular habit until he is able to admit and accept what he finds, and until he patiently and persistently tries to correct what is wrong. You know, a life uh, of good purpose is always going to include personal inventory and the desire to grow in understanding and effectiveness, Monty. It just is. The person who thinks he's perfect now, uh, you know, and doesn't need to do any examination or need to do any character building, is just fooling themselves. Uh, you know, they're they're under a delusion if they if they believe that. So, mm. so you know, I believe again, humility is a big thing, a big, uh, a, a, you know, a big claim of a lot of these steps is uh, has to do with with humility and, and the understanding of and working toward 
And again, humility is an accurate self-appraisal. That's one uh, of the, the good definitions of humility. And if you're accurately uh, appraising your life, you, you have to be able to come up with assets and you have to be able to come up with liability. Otherwise, you're, it's not an accurate self-appraisal. And again, uh, step 10 is, is, uh, is all about doing that. Okay, when a drunk has a terrific hangover because he drank heavily yesterday, he cannot live well today. But there is another kind of hangover which we all experience, whether we are drinking or not, and that's the emotional hangover. The direct result of yesterday and sometimes today's excesses of negative emotion, anger, fear, jealousy, and the like. If we would live serenely today and tomorrow, we certainly need to eliminate these hangovers. This doesn't mean we need to wander morbidly around in the past. It requires an admission and a correction of errors now. Our inventory enables us to settle with the past. When this is done, we are really able to leave it behind us. When our inventory is carefully taken and we have made peace with ourselves, the conviction follows that tomorrow's challenges can be met as they come. You know, he talks about emotional hangover. One of the greatest... Uh, one of the greatest pieces of Bill Wilson's writing, Monty, is uh, um, the, his writing that you can find in the book as as uh, uh, as Bill sees it. I believe, I believe it's in there, uh, and it's the essay that he did for the Grapevine called "Emotional Sobriety." No, oh, right. You know, you know, as he got up into uh, you know fifteen, twenty years sober, he started to see the importance of having emotional sobriety, having a level playing field as far as our, our, our mental and emotional state is concerned. It's important. I think that every every day that goes by that I stay sober, uh, Monty, I, I need to pay even more attention uh, to my emotional uh, sobriety because, because it's just more painful. I mean, uh, it, that's what makes staying sober uh, day after day after day uh, uh, difficult, really, uh, because I think we are more prone to the emotional pain uh, of living in a way that isn't up to our own moral standards. We pay, we pay a greater price emotionally the longer we're sober. You know, the, the road gets narrower, if that makes any sense. Sure it does. My I'll, bad. I'll, give you a, I'll give you a for instance. You know, my first year sober, I, you know, I was still all kinds of lying cheating, maneuvering. It's amazing the way that I was living. I was basically just a, a sober drunk, the way I was living. It, it, if, if, I would, if I would even think of living one day like that today, 23 years sober, I, I don't know if I could make it through the day because <laughs> of uh, the amount of emotional pain it would cause me. Uh, I, I, think, I think we get more sensitive over time uh, to... Uh, to the negative effects of poor behavior. Does that make any sense? Yeah, you bet. We do get more sensitive to that. Uh, hopefully. Yeah, you know, I don't know that it's necessarily a bad thing, uh, but uh, I, I do I do know that uh, we pay a greater price as time goes by for, uh, for dereliction of our spiritual duties. Well, you, you know, I was talking to, uh, when we were taping the show, uh, for Wednesday, uh, God in the potty mouth, and 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 uh, uh, I was asking Mason. I, I said, Mason, uh, since you've turned your will and your life over to the care of God, and since you've had a spiritual awakening as a result of these ste steps, do you? Because he admittedly so said he has a potty mouth. Uh, he says, do you recognize that more? Does it kind of bug you more, or do you, you notice it? And he, what he said was, it it certainly. Um, he's 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 much more aware of it now. Before it was just a, I don't know. He didn't even know he said it that much. He, that he used a foul language or profanity that much. But now he notices it. Uh, I you know I understand that. Yeah. And not, not over. Not only do you notice it, but you feel the pain of violating uh, that you know uh, your, your own moral compass when you use uh, bad language and you've made a decision to try not to, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? And now here you are using that language again. You, I believe, you, I believe you, pay, uh, you pay a little bit of a price each time uh, you fall short. Yeah, you bet. Um, although all inventories are alike in principle, the time factor does distinguish one from another. There's a spot check inventory taken at any time of the day, whenever we find ourselves getting tangled up. 
there's the one we take at day's end, uh, uh, the evening review, when we review the happenings of the hours just passed. Here we cast up a balance sheet, create, uh, crediting ourselves with the things well done, chalking up debits where due. Then there are those occasions when alone or in the company of our sponsor or spiritual advisor, we make a careful review of our progress since the last time. Many AAs go in for an annual or semi-annual house cleanings. Many of us also like the experience of an occasional retreat from the outside world where we can quiet down for an undisturbed day or so of self-overhaul and meditation. That paragraph right there uh, uh, brings to mind about six different types of inventory models. Mm. The, you know, the spot check, like, oh, I, I just lied. You know, I got to set that right. Or I just drove away from the gas station with the wrong change. I need to turn around. Um, then there's the evening review where we need to start using that as a discipline. That's a step 11 discipline, mm-hmm. actually. Then there's the, the semi-annual uh, house cleaning, which is a full-blown fourth step all the way through nine. And then, then he's talking uh, about the kind that we do on retreat, which is an even different kind, where we basically start. A, we we basically follow the retreat master's advice on what exercises to do. And then there's when we catch up with our sponsor and bring our sponsor up to speed with where we have, you know, uh, what we've done since we've last done a check-in with the sponsor. All those, all those are are, are basic inventories. And I love the way that he gives us the latitude and the, um, you know, the choice of all of these different types of spiritual exercises. I think they're all very important. I love, I love the next statement, but, and I'll just paraphrase it, but egads, Chris, aren't these things joy killers and take so much of my time? (laughs) Aren't these practices joy killers as well as time consumers? Must they spend most of their waking hours drearily rehashing their sins of omission or commission? Well, hardly. The emphasis on inventory is heavy only because a great many of us have never really acquired the habit of accurate self-appraisal. Once this healthy practice has become grooved, it will be so interesting and profitable that the time it takes won't be missed. For these minutes and sometimes hours spent in self-examination are bound to make all the other hours of our day better and happier. And at length, our inventories become a regular part of everyday living rather than something unusual set or set apart. Absolutely, absolutely. I don't see I don't see joy killing in any of this. Yeah. I think I think someone who is going to say that inventory is painful uh, and and not profitable is it's somebody who has not practiced it that often. I think it's uh, I think it's essential to growing in effectiveness and understanding. I think inventory is essential for that. Um, Before we ask what a spot check inventory is, let's look at the kind of setting in which such an inventory can do its work. Here, you know, if you're wondering what what kind of spiritual principles to put down on your four-step, like you don't don't know what they mean when they ask you to inventory uh, uh, spiritual principles... (laughs) In, in the fourth step, here, here's one for you right here that you could have. Okay. It's a spiritual axiom that every time we are disturbed, no matter what the cause, there's something wrong with us. <laughs> I remember <laughs> when I was first exposed to that, Monty, I thought, here's a typo. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yeah. this, is not, this is not right. You know, what do you mean? And I truly believe that there was justified uh, resentment. I really believe that. that. If somebody hurts us uh, and we are sore, uh, are we in the wrong also? But if there are no exceptions to this rule, what about justifiable anger? If someone cheats us, aren't we entitled to be mad? Can't we be properly angry with self-righteous folk? For us at AA, these are dangerous exceptions. We've found that justified anger ought to be left to those better qualified to handle. Absolutely. Let, let me interject here. Uh because this this is something I too fought this this idea, and I found out that what I was thinking uh, about it was correct, but I wasn't. I was I I was reading something into this that wasn't there. <clears throat> I believe uh, today, uh, having turned my will and my life over to the care of God, that there is there is a, a part of God that lives in us, and sometimes something will happen. And it will grieve that spirit in us. Um, I think there's a difference between 
God knocking on our heart and saying, you're grieving this thing because this is disturbing to you and, and because it's, it's that way because it's disturbing to me versus the disturbance that brings a resentment. Um, I know the difference today. Uh, I didn't before, but what happens when it's God in me kind of you know nudging me along or saying maybe you need to uh, just get out of this situation or maybe you need to talk to this person or maybe whatever it is that's uncomfortable. Uh, it's interesting because my motivation is completely different than when it's a disturbance that is uh, birthed in a resentment. It's completely different. I approach the person with love. There's kindness. There's a willingness to to help. Uh, and sometimes it's just a matter, I just don't say anything. I just keep my mouth shut. When I'm resentful, man, I'm ready to open my mouth and, and, and correct you right now. You know, and I think, I think there is a difference there. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell a little story uh, uh, that, uh, that kind of uh, relates a little bit to what, you, what you're saying there. And uh, do you remember the, the show? It was on TV many years ago, actually in the late 60s, called Kung Fu. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, Kung, Kung Fu was a very, very cool show. It was, uh, Kane was a Shaolin priest from uh, Japan who was hiding out in the Old West. And he was a very, very spiritual guy who could kick your butt. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I, think, I think so many of us kind of want to be that kind of a person, very spiritual, but also, you know, if we need to, we can, we can kick everybody's butt. You know, that's, that, I think that's one of the reasons why a, a lot of people like that show, because that's a little bit of that. Is, <laughs> yeah, you uh, bet. <laughs> uh, anyway, there's this one episode which uh, I, I went and uh, re-bought uh, re all the seasons when it came out on DVD, because I hadn't watched it in decades, and I, you know, I wanted to re-experience it. I really liked it uh, as, a, uh, as a young man, so, uh, so I bought it, and I, and I, I watched it all again. And there was one episode where, uh, where Kane is sitting at a campfire with two new friends that he just met and was traveling with, and they're, they're sitting there maybe cooking a rabbit or something. And all of a sudden, some robbers uh, come into the camp circle with their guns drawn, they start. They rob the two guys, and then they come to Cain, and they find it that all he has is like a sack of herbs, you know. So they they they, they kind of throw the herbs back at him in disgust, and and walk off with their loot. And when they leave, Cain's two friends, who kind of know that know how bad he is, uh, basically say to him, you know, why why didn't you do something? You know, you you could have taken those guys out. And Cain uh, very quietly says, um, uh, I had nothing to defend. And mm. it's almost like an acid moment for me, you know? I was thinking, like, how many times in the past have I defended something of no value? You know, and so many times that's where resentments come from. Resentments come from us defending something that maybe or maybe not very valuable. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, like like our rights, you know. It's a, <laughs> it's a position we're taking or an opinion that we have or a belief that we think is more important than somebody else's. You know what I mean? And, and a lot of times we're, we're, def we're defending something that, that really we, we probably couldn't <laughs> Uh, by not defending. I, I had a pastor tell me that's what they call majoring on the minors and not on the majors. You know. Uh, a good way to put it. Yeah, defending things that are really silly. It, 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 but boy, we just, we want to we, we put our foot down and stand up for that thing. And, and, you know, I've gotten into discussions like that with, with my family members. And we're just dumb. And, and one of my one know. of my first advisors told me, uh, Chris, would you rather be right or would you rather be happy? Yeah, sure. Because they can, you know, and, and my answer is both. <laughs> and, and his answer was, they can be mutually exclusive. Yeah. You know? So, so you know, make your choice. Would you rather be right or would you rather be happy? And t today, Monty, I would rather be happy. Yeah, I hear you. I don't. I don't need to win every argument. I, I don't even need to argue that often. Well, you, you know, it's funny. <clears throat> Whenever I win one of those silly things, I I don't feel satisfied afterwards. I drive off and I'm still mad. 
Yeah, it's a spiritual axiom. Yeah. Few people have been more victimized by resentments than have we alcoholics. It mattered little whether our resentments were justified or not. Like you were just saying, a burst of temper could spoil a day, and a well-nursed grudge could make us miserably ineffective. Nor were we ever skillful in separating justified from unjustified anger. As we saw it, our wrath was always justified. Anger, that occasional luxury of more balanced people, could keep us on an emotional jag indefinitely. These emotional dry benders often led straight to the bottle. Other kinds of disturbances, jealousy, envy, self-pity, or hurt pride did the same thing. A spot check inventory taken in the midst of such disturbances can be a, ve a very great help in quieting stormy emotions. Today's spot check finds its chief application in situations which arise in each day's march. The mm. consideration of long-standing difficulties had better be postponed when possible to times deliberately set aside for that purpose. A quick inventory is aimed at our daily ups and downs, especially those where people or new events throw us off balance and tempt us, uh, tempt us to make mistakes. In all these situations, we need self-restraint, honest analysis of what is involved, a willingness to admit when the fault is ours, and an equal willingness to forgive when the fault is elsewhere. We need not be discouraged when we fall into the error of our old ways, for these disciplines are not easy. We shall look for progress, not perfection. And, you know, that's so, that is so true. Uh, I, I need to strive for protection, which just means I put one foot in front of the other every single day <clears throat> practicing these principles, Monty. Mm -hmm. But I know, I know perfection is, is probably out of reach in this lifetime. Hey, Chris, you know, um, a lot of people will use this uh, statement, it's progress, not perfection, uh, you know the other the other place where it's talked about is spiritual progress, not spiritual perfection. Uh, but a lot of us will use that as an excuse that we're not perfect, and I don't think that's what it's saying. I think what it's saying is uh, <clears throat> striving for perfection for most of us. We'll probably just throw in the towel. So let's strive for progress. Uh, and but we kind of turn that around. Ah, it's progress, not perfection. And that's almost like saying, well. It's, I do this because I'm an alcoholic. You know, you know uh, I, I think I think that we need to attempt to do the best we can. Sure. I think every single day. I think uh, you know there, there's there's some uh, there's some other uh, terminology in the book uh, Alcoholics Anonymous that asks, asks us to work toward perfecting and enlarging yeah. our, our spiritual life through work and self sacrifice for others. So I, I don't I don't necessarily think that uh, that, that that perfection as a long term goal is 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 actually it's wrong. bad. Yeah. But it's it, it's when we think that we can do it today, or you know if we expect it of other people, it's you know that that's not very realistic. You, you know what I mean? Sure. Um, today I can do the best I can do today and. You know, I, I'm not going to do a, a perfect job. However, each day I need to chip away a little bit more heading in that direction, mm -hmm. if that makes any mm -hmm. makes you sense. You bet. Our first objective will be the development of self-restraint. This carries the top priority rating, and it's something I knew nothing about when I, when I, when I first <laughs> uh, got, so, got sober mind. Uh, when we speak or act hastily or rashly, the ability to be fair-minded and tolerant evaporates on the spot. One unkind tirade or one willful snap judgment can ruin our relation with another person for a whole day or maybe a whole year. Nothing pays off like restraint of tongue and pen. We must avoid quick-tempered criticism and furious power-driven argument. The same goes for sulking or silent scorn. These are emotional booby traps baited with pride and vengefulness. Our first job is to sidestep the traps. When we are tempted by the bait, we should train ourselves to step back and think. Pause when agitated or doubtful. Asking for the right thought or action is the instruction in the book Alcoholics Anonymous. We can neither think nor act to good purpose until the habit of self-restraint has become automatic. And it needs to be. And, and even, even today, Monty, you know, I was on a couple of conference calls today where I wanted to blurt out, wait a minute, this is not fair, what about blah, 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 blah. And I have just trained myself that uh, 
that sometimes my first thought or my first reaction is not the best way to go. So, Monty, I've trained myself mm. to be very discerning and very, uh, very calculated about how I participate in business calls and not let the first thought or a reactive thought uh, lead my conversation. I've just learned that. It's yeah. not the right way to go. And <clears throat> don't you don't you don't come off as a professional if you come off no. as a you know, and this, uh, and I got to share a little, a little, a little story here because um, this is so appropriate. Uh, one of the things where I do that, though, one of the things that that our pastor says, by the way, he talks about when he talks about people and leadership, or people that are living a goldfish bowl or that kind of thing. Um, we aren't allowed to let our knee-jerk reactions, you know, uh, uh, have volume to them. We're not. Because we can just, you know, I mean, we might feel like just exploding, but we can't do that. We, we've, we've got to have restraint. And uh, I experienced here just uh, a few weeks ago, I, I blew it. I just, I was frustrated about something. And it's really interesting. It had nothing to do with what I said. Now, here it says... Uh, uh, nothing pays off like restraint of tongue and pen, and I would say, and text. <laughs> yeah. oh, uh, I gotta tell you. Yeah, you know, and I, I, I said something on 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 our on Take Twelve Radio's uh, uh, Facebook page that was just unkind. It was cruel, and I mean, I didn't mean it that way, but uh, it was received that way by somebody. And I'm sure if it was received that way by one person, it was received that way by many. Um, and I, this guy blasted me. I mean, he sent me a private message and just ripped me up one side. And he was right, Chris. He was right. Maybe not in his deliverance, but what he was telling me was right. And, and I needed to be called on it. And it shook me to the core because I thought, wow, what kind of damage could I have caused? And so I, I did. I remembered the promptness thing, right? Uh, sometimes people aren't ready for you to make amends, but when you're doing like a social networking site thing, you you can you can type out something and make amends right away. And so I did. I turned right around and said, "Wow, I was wrong. I was insensitive. I was unkind." And I got just a ton of private messages. I even got something in the mail, a letter in the mail, of people saying, "You know what? Wow, we're just." We're so grateful that you own, you know, you owned that, and you just thank you so much. Well, this guy came back and continued to blast me, <laughs> and where it talks about um, uh, the damage that this kind of stuff can do, uh, whether you, you know, you lose a friendship for a day or a year or whatever, uh, it's true. I ended up having to block the gentleman um, because it was just it was getting way out of hand. But here's the thing: my initial behavior sparked something that caused dissension. It caused uh, unrest. <laughs> now, God can use anything for good, and he did. He turned it around, and it became a very healthy thing. Uh, in fact, it ended up being the base, uh, part of the basis to um, this whole thing that I've been asking about lately of um, why, do, why do we use profanity, and why do we use uh, uh, foul language and so forth? And, and, and discovering that a profane word spoken does not have to be a cuss word. It could be something like, why can't you be like your brother and do something right? Or you're a loser, or sit down and shut up, you have nothing to say. Things like that can be profane. And man, I'm telling you, once you put that out there, either in pen, uh, texting, or tongue, it is really, really difficult, if not impossible, to retrieve that. I understand exactly what, what you mean. And, you know, I've, I've been involved in some of the LinkedIn groups for, uh, for uh, addictive illness, professionally addictive illness, right. uh, LinkedIn groups, and I'll get going on, you know, and I'll just need to take some psychiatrist to task because, <laughs> you know, he doesn't know what he's doing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a facility manager. You know? <laughs> well, what, what, can, what, you know, how can, I, how can I possibly believe that I'm so much righter than somebody that actually works in the field as a, as a medical psychiatrist? But, uh, <laughs> but I do. You know, I, I think, I think this guy is way off track. So, so I'll, I'll clobber him. And you know, I've just found that I, it's best for me not to participate in those groups. <laughs> yeah, 
restraint of tongue and pen, and an avoidance of you know going onto the battlefield to look around. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, yeah. It's just I, I don't need to go onto the field to look around. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Dis- disagreeable or unexpected problems are not the only ones that call for self-control. We must be quite as careful when we begin to achieve some measure of importance and material success. For no people have ever loved personal triumphs more than we have loved them. We drank of success as a wine which we could never fail to make us feel elated. When temporary good fortune came our way, we indulged ourselves in fantasies of still greater victories over people and circumstances. Thus blinded by prideful self-confidence, we were able to play the big shot. Of course, people turned away from us, bored or hurt. Now that we're in AA and sober and winning back the esteem of our friends and business associates, we find that we still need to exercise special vigilance. As an insurance against big shotism, we can often check ourselves by remembering that we are today sober only by the grace of God and that any success we may be having is far more his success than ours. That's something that I, I always continue to try to remind myself, Monty, that it, we are sober uh, a day at a time by the grace of God. And the grace of God is the power that we were looking for in step two. You, you know, that power yeah. is greater than ourselves that can restore us to sanity and keep us sober. And, it, and if we think it's through solely through our works, we are way off track. You know what I mean? Boy, don't you know it. Don't you? Isn't it funny how we'll say we're powerless and then we'll go out and try to fix ourselves? Uh, yeah, yeah. Or you'll be at a recovery meeting and somebody will say, uh, "How'd you do it?" Yeah. So when you're so when you're celebrating ninety days, and, and you're going to tell them how you did it, you know, it's crazy. Well, well, you you participated. Here's how I participated. Who did it? God did it. You know, that should be the answer. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Very good. But, you know. Finally, we begin to see that all people, including ourselves, are to some extent emotionally ill as well as frequently wrong. I love that. That was used to be my favorite sentence. Uh, and then we approach true tolerance uh, to see what real love of our fellows actually, actually means. It will become more and more evident as we go forward that it is pointless to become angry or get hurt by people who, like us, are suffering from the pains of growing up. Wow, I got to enjoy Every single one of us. I got to interject there. Here he here he goes again, repeating himself because he knows he knows that we learn by repetition, but using different words so we don't get tired of it. This is right straight out of uh, you know though their though their actions and so forth uh, disturbed us. You know they like ourselves were sick too, right? I mean, what is that? Page exactly. 60, 68 or something like that in a big book. Um, he's saying it again. That is so cool. And because it's so true, uh, Bill Wilson will tell you anything important at least three times. Yeah, <laughs> that's just the way I love it. Does it. He, tell, he tells you he tells you in different ways. So yeah, we, we, the pains of growing up. Uh, look, we're all we're hopefully we're all trying to grow spiritually. And one person saying, "Oh boy, he's at a different signpost on the road. He's in mile marker two, and I'm at mile marker four. That's that's not a very a humble way to, to go about it all. You no, know what I mean? No. Such a radical change in our outlook will take time, maybe a lot of time. Not many people can truthfully assert that they love everybody. Most of us must, must admit that we have loved but a few, that we have been quite indifferent to many, so long as none of them gave us trouble. And as far as the remainder, well, we have really <clears throat> liked or hated them. Although these attitudes are common enough, we AAs find we need something much better in order to keep our balance. We can't stand it if we hate hate deeply. The idea that we can be possessively loving of a few, can ignore the many, and can continue to fear or hate anybody has to be abandoned, if only a little at a time. We can try to stop making unreasonable demands upon those we love. We can show kindness where we have shown none. With those we dislike, we can begin to practice justice and courtesy, perhaps going out of our way to understand and help them. Whenever we fail any of these people, we can promptly admit it to ourselves always and to them also when the admission would be helpful. Courtesy, kindness, justice, and love are the keynotes by which we may come into harmony with practically everybody. When in doubt, we can always pause saying, not my will but thine be done. And we can often ask ourselves, am I doing to others as I would have them do to me today? 
Mm. You know, these, this is all stuff. You're absolutely right. That comes right out of the right out of the big book. When evening comes, perhaps just before going to sleep, many of us draw up a balance sheet for the day, which is the 11th step when we retire at night. This is a good place to remember that inventory taking is not always done in red ink. It is a poor day indeed when we haven't done something right. As a matter of fact, the waking hours are usually well filled with things that are constructive. Good intentions, good thoughts, and good acts are there for us to see. Even when we have tried hard and failed, we may chalk uh, that up as one of the greatest credits of all. Under these conditions, the pains of failure are converted into assets. Out of them, we receive the stimulation we need to go forward. Someone who knew what he was talking about once remarked that pain was the touchstone of all spiritual progress. How heartily we AAs can agree with him. For we know that the pains of drinking had to come before sobriety, and emotional turmoil before serenity. As we glance down at the debit side of the day's ledger, we should carefully examine our motives in each thought or act that appears to be wrong. In most cases, our motives won't be hard to see and understand. When prideful and angry, jealous, anxious, or fearful, we acted accordingly, and that was that. Here we need only recognize that we did act or think badly, try to visualize how we might have done better, and resolve with God's help to carry these lessons over into tomorrow, making, of course, any amends still neglected. This is a wonderful way to live, Monty. It, mm-hmm. It's it's taking account of the, the the actions that you've taken and looking very very stringently at them to see how you can do better tomorrow. Uh, I, you know, I can't tell you the benefit that I've had in my life from this. You know. You know a little bit about uh, what, what's been accomplished in my life, uh, Monty, because yeah. you know me pretty well. Well, I, I was a broken-down, living-at-home-with-mom, failed electrician who, who, was, who, who was malnourished and psychotic in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it is a different story today. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a yeah. lot of stuff going on in my life. And it has a lot to do with these spiritual exercises and being able to do a little bit better every single day. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Do you find it? <clears throat> you know that old that old saying that people say, "Well, it doesn't it doesn't get easier; it just gets better." Uh, you know, I, and that's that's a cutesy saying and all. But do you find that that some of these practices do come? Uh, I won't say easier, but more natural the more you do them. You know, some of them do it, and some of them I still have to struggle at because yeah. because the, the ego balks at investigation. <laughs> you know, and the, and the ego, and my ego, still balks a little. I mean, it's gotten a whole lot easier, uh, but I, I, my default setting a lot of times uh, still can be well, but but they, <laughs> you know, you know, and that can be my that can be my default setting. Yeah, but uh, it, it has gotten a lot easier. But in other instances, only the closest scrutiny will reveal what our true motives were. There are cases where our ancient enemy, rationalization, has stepped in and has justified conduct, uh, which was really wrong, which is what I was kind of just saying. The temptation here is to imagine that we had good motives and reasons when we really didn't. We constructively criticized someone who needed it when our real motive was to win a useless argument. You know, uh, Monty, we don't criticize, we don't judge, we merely report. Uh, you know, I, I like to say that kind of as a joke. But, but you know, really, sometimes sometimes we our constructive criticism kind of is uh, about, you know, making us feel a little bit superior because we're on mile marker four and they're only yeah. on mile marker two. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, 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 I had the really, uh, you know, concerning this topic of... of uh, <clears throat> how we express ourselves, profanity and foul language and so forth. I had to really be careful about that because I didn't want to pass, you know, uh, God's wrathly judgment on anybody or anything like that. I just, I was making an observation and I, and I, when I asked the question, why did we do that? And, and, um, uh, somebody said, uh, you know, well, I, this is kind of why I do it. Now, are you done taking other people's inventories? And I said, I said, no inventory taking, just making an observation. And I thought to my, I had to check that, though. And I thought, it, it, really? 
you know, and and so when we did the show on this topic, um, it it I think it got God was more in it than than even when I was asking the question. Uh, but because we can say things like, uh, well, this guy posted on one of my YouTube videos. He said, you need to take inventory on what you eat. And <laughs> I thought, uh, I said, how, I, I typed in, how do you know I don't? I've lost 100 pounds. And, da, da, da. Um, and then I put, and here's that, here's that, that, that thing where it says, you, you know, uh, you think you're doing something right, but really you're not. My next statement was, thank you for being so concerned about my health. I appreciate it. And a little sarcastic. Oh man! You know, here, if I had said uh, thank you for being concerned, that would have been a different thing. But I, I, I took it just a little further, and I thought, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and man, it is just we are so, uh, uh, we're, we're so geared to do that kind of thing. You know, I, yes, I was wrong, but so were you, right? That you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, and we're and we're defend we're defending something that maybe doesn't need to be defended. No, it doesn't. You know, maybe somebody <laughs> else can do that defense. Yeah, for yeah. It. I was uh, I, I I was doing a speaking thing not long ago, and I got done with about a, a forty five minute talk, money, and this guy. This guy ripped me uh, up one side and down the other. He called he called me everything you could call somebody. Uh, he thought I was uh, this and I was that, and I found out later that the guy was actually actually drunk. You know, which which. Uh, right. But I am so glad I didn't react. I am so glad I didn't call him uh, such and such. What I did was, uh, I basically said, that, you know, thank you for uh, sharing, and, and you know, I called on somebody else, and uh, the the rest of the time, other people jumped to my defense. <laughs> Not that yeah. I even needed that, but. I, you know, sure. what I'm basically saying is I didn't, I didn't necessarily need to do it. You, you know what I mean? Right, right. Like, uh, I, 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 I didn't have anything to defend. It was, it was ridiculous that this individual was, uh, uh, you know, was even calling attention to these things because it was obviously not necessarily true. But, but, but again, uh, I didn't need to be the guy. Uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, defending it, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, again, we, we live and we learn. Well. Uh, or the person concerned not being present. We thought we were helping others to understand him when actually our true motives were, were to feel superior by pulling him down. We sometimes hurt those we love because they needed to be taught a lesson when we really want to punish. We were depressed and complained we felt bad, when in fact we were mainly asking for simply sympathy and attention. This odd trait of mind and emotion, this perverse wish to hide a bad motive underneath a good one, permeates human affairs from top to bottom. This subtle and elusive kind of self-righteousness can underlie the smallest act or thought. Learning daily to spot, admit, and correct these faults is the essence of character building and good living. An honest regret for harm's done. A genuine gratitude for blessings received. A willingness to try for better things tomorrow will be the permanent assets we shall seek. Having so considered our day, not omitting uh, to take due note of things well done, and having searched our hearts with neither fear nor favor, can we truly thank God for the blessings we have received and sleep in good conscience? I just love that step. I, I don't know about you, but I think that's about the coolest step there is. Man, being able <clears throat> being able to sleep in good conscience is, is something that uh, there was a long time I was not able to do that. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things I, I became aware of uh, very quickly, uh, after working uh, these steps and, and applying these principles in, in in my affairs and so forth, uh, was that I was getting rest. I was actually getting rest. I was feeling better the next day, uh, and didn't realize that I was not getting good sleep because you know they, what they say: so and so is not going to lose any sleep over it. You're the only one losing sleep over it. That was true, man. When it came to my resentments, holy moly. There wasn't a whole lot of resentments in the past that I didn't act out on. You know what I mean? Um, oh yeah, I know. I, so you know, we we uh, we will remember. We will remember a slight. The rest of our lives will be about the business of getting even, and it's just uh, 
again, it, it, it's about it's about defending things that shouldn't be defended. I think I said to my wife uh, uh, a few years back, I got myself into a little trouble. I said. I said, well, you know what they say, women hold resentments and they keep it in their memory banks longer than men do. And she goes, boy, you sure have that one memorized. <laughs> I thought, oh, gosh, <laughs> yeah, we, do, we, all, we do the same things. Well, next week, step 11, <clears throat> sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Now, this is really interesting to me because a lot of people, I think, misinterpret praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out, and uh, they don't pray about anything, you know. Uh, and so we're going we're gonna to look at that. Um, just some really good stuff and more in the... Uh, uh, with the, the steps that really ask us to look at ourselves, to continue to do that, and to grow spiritually. Uh, it's, it's, it's so important. I don't want to just be that 57 Chevy sitting in the garage getting polished all the time. Uh, I want to grow. You know, I want to become more than that. So, Chris? Me too. Yeah. Right on, buddy. Um, yeah, you, you and Andrew are in, in our prayers and many, many people praying for you. And, and uh, God bless your heart. Um, you guys hang in there. Okay, thank you very much, buddy. Uh, all right, my brother. Uh, folks, don't forget our email, take12radio at comcast.net. Until next time, wishing God serenity for you. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting. <laughs>